Hey everyone, welcome to Talks with Gallagher. I have my new and good friend Charbel with us today, and we are going to talk about um, business and ministry in the marketplace and what that looks like practically. Um, and I know we have a lot of business owners watching, and um, you know, soon to be business owners or people that are, you know, wanting to start a business and not sure how and um, Actually, uh, Charbel's wife contacted me about a month ago and saying, "Hey, can we be on?" And I'm like, "Sure, I would, I would love that." Um, and so, um, I just am really honored to have Charbel on with us today. And I'm going to just read a quick bio about him. And this this bio doesn't do you know full justice, but this uh. is the bio that I could find. <laughs> so. So uh, Charbel was born in a wartime Lebanon and immigrated to the U.S. where he was quickly became a successful multi-business owner and entrepreneur. He celebrated for his immigrant success rates on several occasions. Uh, Charbel worked tirelessly to support his businesses, his family, to ensure personal and professional growth. He's never forgotten his, his humble beginnings and continues to enrich the lives and communities in which he does business. You know, he originally, he originally started from a, you know, a booking and mortgage industry and flipped properties and started a construction business. Now that you are CEO and founder of, um, yes. And then, um, you know, you also, um, you know, have sold and flipped and renovated and connected with with other uh, leaders in in that space in that sphere. So, um, yeah, thank you for uh, being on today, Charvel. And you. you know, I'm I'm just really curious, given your really unique background, and you know, just I this is just my opinion. I'm going to say right now is we need to hear <laughs> we just we, we need to hear more stories from people in the East in the West. Like we need more of those stories. I feel like that narrative isn't shared enough. And so that's why, that's another reason why I feel so honored to have you on is that these stories need to be told. And um, so, you know, please tell us your journey into the marketplace and, you know, um, how your faith has brought to you where you are now. Oh, well, that, that's, that's awesome. Thank you for the question. Thanks for having me. First of all, John, I really uh, appreciate it and looking forward to it. And like you said, these stories need to be told sometime. We, we want to be humble, but in, in the process, you don't tell the story and you don't glorify God for, for his miracle to put in us where, we, where he have us today. Uh, you don't look at the small miracles in the beginning that are an intricate part of make us who we are today. And that's, that's the part where I don't want to forget that. I don't mm. want to forget that. I don't want to uh, just shove it to the side and say, Oh, well, I don't want to talk to anybody about working at McDonald's flipping burgers in 1996 or working as a landscaper or working as a, a, a Kirby vacuum cleaner salesperson traveling across the New England towns without knowing where's the east from the west in here, for goodness sake, getting lost and, and wondering how am I going to get home without a GPS from New Hampshire to Massachusetts and back to home. It, it, crazy, crazy, humble beginning. And I'm just so thankful to God for, for bringing me through all of those things. But the journey started here in, in New England in 1995, where I first came from Lebanon, landed in Boston and never looked back, never went back to my home country because of all the crazy things that happened there. And for all the heartache and the, uh, the losses that I've suffered as a young child and as a young man, um, I, I came in here, I was 25 years old and basically, uh, 
never look back, never look back, not because I want to forget my home country or that I don't love the people that uh, build me up, but because of all the heartache, all the agony, all the things that happened that uh, I never thought for one second that I'll make it out of there alive. I really mm. never did. And to be able to get out alive and be one of the lucky ones to be able to land in the best country in the world was a blessing that I was never going to take for granted. Uh, yes, the first few years in here were treacherous. Um, uh, I'll be lying to you and to everybody that's listening if I didn't think a hundred times about going back even to to the war-torn country because the uh, the, the assimilation into the, the society in here was so hard. It was impossible mm. at some points. And it was so hard to be able to communicate with somebody that doesn't speak your language. So mm. I had to force myself to learn a third or fourth language, if you want to count my other uh, sub-languages, uh, to be able to communicate for the basic necessities. And sometimes we, we talk to some people that have a very heavy accent or uh, uh, don't even you know communicate the way we think that everybody in America should communicate. And because of that reason, we discard them as they don't know or um, there was a lack of education, there was a lack of class. And we miss sometimes of understanding the story of where that person came from. So I had to resort to the only thing that I know how to do, which is working hard. I've, I've always worked hard all my life, even after, during and after high school, um, when I was going to a non-school in Lebanon. Um, and I was able to provide for myself because if I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to survive. Um, thank God for my sister as a young boy supported me and, and worked hard to raise me after my mother died. I was six and a half years old. Wow. Um, and my father, you know, did his best to support us uh, kids. I'm the youngest of seven kids um, hmm. and three of them did not survive. Um, I was a lucky one to be able to survive and get out of there alive. But you don't forget the people that put you on their shoulder all their life. So hmm. when you come here, you're not coming here just by yourself, but you're carrying on your shoulders the, the, the history and the integrity and the honor and the name of the people that came before you. So everything that I wanted to do in here, I wanted to do it with honor. I wanted to do it to honor their word and honor their memory and be able to first and foremost for my father to make him proud of me and that he will never look back one day and say, oh my God, what did he sacrifice for? He's away from all of us. We can't see him. We can't, we can't live with him. We can't do life together and then come in here being tortured, I, I, I couldn't take that as, as, as uh, a solution. So I did everything I can to be able to succeed and succeed in the marketplace and to be able to compete in a market where I can with whatever less skill that I have and little resources that I have. So just coming in from a different country, you don't have the same basic luxuries um, of having an uncle, an aunt, a father and a mother and a lineage or just friends in general that you went to school with mm. that you're able to just call on a friend and have them come in and help you if you need mm. help i didn't have any of that so i was completely 100 percent disconnected from the tribe my people that i grew up with so oh. what was left for me to do is to be able to rely on the on the basic skills that i have and which is my time and my hard work at mm. one point i was working three part-time jobs walking mm. between jobs in a treacherous New England weather, but to be able to make it. And I did not grumble, complain. It was hard, but I knew that that's not going to last forever, that this is just the beginning towards something that I want to build a better future. And the second thing is you start going into culture. 
how do people spend their time? Where do they go on vacation? Vacation was a novel idea. We don't have that in <laughs> Lebanon. Vacation or spending or having a car or a second car, buying a house. How do you have credit? All of these things were mysteries to me. Uh, the, the basic uh, elements of how to uh, study to go and get uh, a learner's permit in the beginning years. Uh, I rode a motorcycle back and forth to work for the whole entire time I was waiting to get my license because I couldn't wait for my license to come as a 25-year-old before I go to work. I couldn't sit home while I'm waiting you know, to be eligible to go and take a driver's ed. Hmm. I had to drive a motorcycle, and, and I drove that motorcycle all the way through the winter uh, to almost to... The, you know, to the tune of being frozen on a motorcycle in a 12, 13 degree weather. It reminds me of the Dumb and Dumber uh, uh, <laughs> episode <laughs> or, or a scene. But you do these things because you understand that right beyond that hill, there is, there is a playing field that you'll mm -hmm. be able to enjoy. You'll be able to look back on those days and say, remember the days and be able to enjoy the present. So mm -hmm. going through that journey to get to the point where I had a driver license in my hand, I remember uh, how proud of myself I was because now for the mm. first time I'm carrying in my hand a tiny little identity that says who I am. Mm. That I'm able to be able to exercise my right of driving, to be able to go from this job to that job, to be able to buy a car and register a car. Mm. These were all foreign ideas. Mm. You don't need those kind of things. You you. You don't enjoy those rights that if you study hard and you pass a test, you get a license and you maintain it and you keep it and you're able to go on from having a license to drive to having multiple licenses for a multimillion dollar companies that you're able to register, that you're able to provide opportunity and employment, the same employments that I wish somebody had given me in 1995 and 1996. Now I could be that employer that keep, that can Oh, okay. Somehow we <laughs> lost Chabelle and uh, yeah, I apologize for what's going on. I don't know what is, how that happened, but let me just contact him. <laughs> um, let's see. Wow. Well, isn't this really fascinating, everyone? Um, just this story of Chabelle and just, you know, um, I was just actually telling him off the air just um, how we need to hear more stories from people in the East that have come to the West and hearing their stories. And um, I think it gives a greater appreciation for us Americans living in the United States. Um, and also um, it also just shows uh, just um, – how nothing is, you know, don't take anything for granted. All right, here he comes. <laughs> All right, I don't. Happening, John. This has I never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, we were talking great, and I was listening. It's really it's just, great. And then all of a sudden, yeah. it's like, whoo, it's just like, like, just, I don't know. Just a like, vulture, a vulture snapped me. Yeah, it, it's just like, I think there is a lot of power. Let, let's step back a little bit, John. I, I think there is something going on in here that doesn't want us to talk to each other today. And yeah. I pray against that. I absolutely I pray. I have never had this happen 
in 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 my entire history of doing uh, an online interviews. <laughs> Me <laughs> so, too. I have not had this many issues as well in my history. <laughs> so there is something that's happening here that doesn't want us to talk to each other. How's that? We're not going to stop. We're not going to stop. We're not going to stop. Yeah, we we don't give up. (laughs) No, no, that's it. It's not going to stop us. I was actually, when you uh, somehow just poofed, um, (laughs) I I was telling everyone that off air, I was just telling everyone just how um, vital it is to hear stories from, you know, uh, people from the East and hearing it, you know, you know, in the West and, just how we can't take anything for granted and just, you know, just, that's so true. I, I think it's just so important even, even today, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I, that's what I was saying. I was just, so then, yeah. then you yeah, pop back in. Break to a commercial right there. <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, absolutely. These are the beautiful, you know, beautiful times and beautiful years, uh, regardless of the struggle, because, um, yeah. One of the things that was able to sustain me going through that, John, uh, was the the mm. love of my father and and his acceptance to even my failures when I was a kid, oh, because wow. a lot of the failures that I had, and I realized that later on in my life, where I look back on everything that I came to him for, hey dad, I have an idea, I have mm. I have a venture, and sometimes were the craziest ideas, and sometimes were some good ideas, and I didn't realize that at the time, but. Through his acceptance of me and him believing in me, not necessarily believing in the venture that I was bringing into him at that point, <laughs> he's, he believed in me. And sometimes he's like, oh, I'll throw some money at that idea because I believe in it. And some other times he did not. And I didn't realize that as a kid on the receiving end. Uh, all I thought is either dad dismissed it or supported it. But I didn't realize that he's like, well, he's on to something in, in, in this venture. And then he put some money behind it. And, and and one of the biggest things that he supported me with that, that sticks with me to this day is when I when he saw me working so hard, working 12 to 18 hour days in a shoe factory in Israel mm-hmm. to be able to raise enough money to be able to start my arcade business. I, I came mm-hmm. up with this idea that the town or the small town that we lived in of 2000 people needed an arcade center for kids to go into and play. And not just the basic arcades that we play with today, but there were some pool tables and some foosball tables and some pinball tables. So it was activity, community, uh, a snack bar, all that. I dreamed it, and my dad supported me on that. And that was my, really my first successful business that ended up uh, putting me on the map as a 20-year-old business owner, where in a year and a half, I was able to open another store and acquire a restaurant, a fast food restaurant nearby and became the first business that was open 16 to 18 hour days. Wow. So he supported me <laughs> through that. And really right after that is when I came in here in 1995 uh, to mm. the U.S. But looking back on those, uh, uh, the, the struggles, the triumphs and the struggles, the struggles is what gave me uh, the power to be able to succeed and, and to mm. persevere and look beyond uh, the daily struggles that we go through. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. You know, I'm just really curious. What were you telling yourself? You know, like what was the story that you were telling yourself when you were faced with these obstacles that you have mentioned? And, mm. you know, like, like, yeah, I'm just curious. Like, what were you telling yourself at wow. that age? <laughs> uh, I, I could give you a visual, honestly. Yeah, if, please. If, if I could sum it up, and, and, and I remember the uh, winter of 1995, 
Um, so I was here for a few months in the country. I did not know that in New England is very cold. I did mm -hmm. not own a jacket. I did not own mm -hmm. any boots or warm clothing. Um, I haven't had the chance to go and, and purchase these things. And we had the blizzard of 1995. Mm -hmm. um, I have decided that if I park my uh, 323 Mazda, that was like a thousand dollar car, if I park it on the street, it'll be better than having to shovel the snow to be able to get it out. Little that mm -hmm. I know, that morning that little Mazda disappeared. Uh, not only that it was covered with snow, but the police have have uh, 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 basically towed it and confiscated the car because it was parked in the street. I did not know that. <laughs> I did not know that if you put the car in the street that somebody's going to come and take it away. So little that I knew that now I don't have a transportation. And two, I have a small shovel. And three, I did not have any jacket or warm clothing. And we have almost five feet of snow. Wow. I did not know anybody in the area. So I didn't have an uncle, an aunt, or a friend to call and say, where did that car go? I left it on the street and now it disappeared. Mm. Um, and I remember shoveling the snow to be able to make it out of the house. And I was so overwhelmed. It was beyond, beyond despair, honest to God. Mm. And I remember just taking it shovel by shovel and say, one more shovel. Mm. Every time I take a shovel, I say one more shovel. Because if I would just lifted up my head and looked at how much snow that I needed to to move to be able to get out of the house, it would have been so overwhelming. And that memory stuck with me. That mm. memory stuck with me that every single time now that I go through a hard time, I just look at it as it's just one more shovel. It's mm. one more shovel. It's one more step. It's one more obstacle that I need to go to because I know what's on the other side. I know that the mm. promise is just lies right around the mm. corner and I have to persevere and I have to be strong enough and to stand on my feet and continue to persevere because I know the promises of God is right there for me mm. and I need to just get to it. I'm not going to be able to get to it if I'm sitting on my butt or if I'm not doing <laughs> anything, if I'm just sitting down and complaining, it's not going to change anything. I have to take action and participate mm. in my own salvation. Mm. Yeah. Fight for it, engage for it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. not just take it just uh just just because. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. And yeah, I just feel like that I just feel like that type of mindset built in you a foundation for your success today. Um and um, you know, I'm just curious, like, you know, you shared some of your biggest challenges uh briefly here in you know, in a response to my first question, but I'm just curious, like, tell us, like, how are you able to overcome, you know, s some of these challenges? Like, can you just give us an example or two, how you overcame some challenges? Sure. Uh, a trial and error uh, has mm. been <laughs> has been really proven <laughs> in my life. Uh, just imagine the first time I, I, I decided I'm going to buy a house, right? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so, I listened to the late night infomercials of buying houses for zero down. That was the original, like uh, zero money down programs. And $400 later, you become this bazillionaire, right? Mm. And I fell in for it and I decided I'm going to participate in that. So I bought into the culture. I, uh, here's late night TV. I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brains out and figuring mm. out how am I going to succeed in the U.S. And here's late night TV. Thank God for that. 
I purchased the program, I studied the program, I realized that that program doesn't work for me or it doesn't work for the area that I live in because there is no houses that you could buy for $400 in Massachusetts. So I wrote that off and I said, okay, I live in one of the uh, richest areas in the, in the state near Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, there is no such thing as $400, but can I buy a dilapidated house that nobody wants? And that idea started you know, going in my mind. I started talking to some people and they said, Oh yeah, there is there is a concept called auctions. I'm like, okay, tell me more. And they start telling me about foreclosure auctions, where if somebody doesn't pay their mortgage, the mortgage company comes in and foreclose on the house, they sell it at auction. Or if you don't pay your taxes, the 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 city comes in or the town and take your home away and they sell it at public auction to recoup their money back. Hmm. I'm like, that's a great idea. I want I want to do that. So I started clipping newspapers in my early years in 1997, 1998, and saving them, driving by these properties and dreaming of owning one of them one day. And lo and behold, the, the day came where one auction was being held. I have scraped together a $5,000 deposit to purchase my first, well, not just to purchase, to be able to participate in the auction. Mm. Little that I know that when you buy something at an auction and it's over $5,000, you have to pay that extra money. I didn't have that extra money. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so you could imagine, oh, you could imagine the chaos that I created at that auction where 25, 30 people were super mad at me because mm. I was the kind of guy raising his hand, yep, 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 at the auction, not knowing I have to pay the money at the end of the auction. Uh, lo and behold, I screwed up the auction for everybody. Everybody was mad at me because I bid over the 5,000 deposit that I have, and I didn't have the money and the means to be able to pay for that home. Hmm. They canceled the auction, and they apologized to everybody that was at the auction, and they announced on that day that they will reschedule the auction for a month from now. Hmm. Lo and behold, a month from that date, they called me. I get a call on my phone, said, Mr. Najim, would you like to come in and bid at the auction? You were there and you registered last month. I realized that the person on the other line did not know I was the guy that screwed up the auction to begin with. They were calling me Mr. <laughs> Number one and two, they invited me back. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I went to the auction and it was a really cold day in February. And it was me, the auctioneer, and the person from the treasury department. There was nobody else. And I was able to talk the lady from the treasury department to let me have the house. I was telling her I was the guy that screwed up the auction last month <laughs> and I didn't have any money. So all I have is that $5,000 deposit. She took pity on me and she said, bid over me and I'll let you have it. Hmm. I could not believe my ears, honest to God. I'm looking at her and I'm like, for real? And so I bid 4,500 bucks. And guess what? I purchased that house for $4,500. Wow. The auctioneer had to give me $500 back. <laughs> he told me in 30 years of, of him doing this auction, he's never had to give money back from the deposit for somebody that purchased a house. Hmm. But it happened. It was a miracle that day. I didn't look at it as a miracle. I called it <laughs> lucky. Uh, I, was, I was very happy that I got the house. I didn't have to pay anything extra. He actually had to send me back a $500 refund check from the excess deposit, <laughs> he handed me the foreclosure deed at the auction because I paid in full. And I was so green, I was asking him, what is this? He said, this is the ownership for your new house. 
well, it was nothing new about it. There were squirrels living in it. The attic was was mm. just busted. The roof was dilapidated. It was a three-level uh, building. We called them triple deckers in New England, where you could rent two stores, two stories, and live in one. Mm. And that was that type of house. So lo and behold, I worked um, my rear end for one year fixing that house while I was working in the mortgage lending business. Uh, mm. In, during the day, so nine to five, I was in a shirt and tie. Um, at, in the afternoon, I, I hang those on, on, a, on a nail on the wall and I go down and I work as much as I could possibly can until one, two o'clock in the morning. And wow. a year later, I was able to flip that house and sell it for $110,000. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yes, that was the first house. <laughs> wow, wow. So, yeah. And please tell us now you have your your own uh, company yes. in in construction, right? Can yes. you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So, so that was born out of necessity as well, mm. uh, because I had no intention of becoming uh, a developer or a builder. Uh, my idea was to uh, to buy and flip homes. Um, I figured if I if I could do one house in one year by myself, why not hire a couple of people? and let them do what they do best. And I could work in the banking industry and in the mortgage industry and make the money there. And mm -hmm. I come in, you know, and just pay them. So that first year when I did one house, the second year I did three, four five houses at a time uh, uh, to the uh, 2003, it was my best year. I, I almost did about 10 homes that year. Plus I was wow. making really good money in the mortgage business. Um, and fast forward to 2008, when the economy completely collapsed um, mm. and when that happened i i could not do mortgages uh, mortgages were completely uh, a standstill and i couldn't sell any of the homes that i have mm. um, and i was faced with almost bankruptcy so mm. i could i could basically claim bankruptcy and uh, or ask for aid or ask for help but that wasn't part of it what i did instead of just going to an attorney i went to my pastor and oh. i asked my pastor at the time uh, what does the Bible say about bankruptcy? And uh, he said, "Oh, that's interesting. That that's a you know that's a that's a subject that was never covered." But he's like, "Let me tell you about something uh, that's called uh, uh, taking responsibility for your own financial rewards." I'm like, "Okay, what what is this about?" And he said, "If you have to claim bankruptcy, that's fine. That that's what the law. This is what the law of the land will say, and you could do that. But if you want to take responsibility." For, for what's happening, you write a letter, and he called it the Nimwit letter. <laughs> I remember that. Too. I think he made it up. Obviously. <laughs> he just wanted to get into my head. Uh, and he said, you just write a letter to every lender that you owe money to, and you tell them. You can't sell anything. You can't buy anything. There is no way that you're going to be able to pay them the debt that they pay. And beg them to basically, number one, meet with you if they're local, or two, get on the phone with you and work out some type of a settlement agreement where you are able to either uh, lower the debt, lower the payment, cancel the debt, or whatever else to sit down and talk and say, I want to pay you. I just don't have the ability to. Um, in the background, what's happening in my personal life at the time, we had our, our two youngest kids. Um, they were one and, and six months old, not even three months old. Hmm. Um, and both of them in diapers. Uh, so great. You know, you have you have land, but you can't feed them dirt. Uh, you have houses, but you can't take, you know, studs off and, and, 
and feed the family. So add all of that on top of the business and add all the despair that the country has just gone through in 2008, 2009, and 10. Yeah. Um, and that was a compounding effect that you're not only fighting on the outside as a business, but you're fighting to keep your, your, your kids and your family fed. And you have to balance that act and be responsible in the same time and, and be cautious to the people that lend you money. Because part of the people that were lending money, it wasn't just national lenders. There were some people that invested money with me. These hmm. are people in the community. These are people that we know. We, we, we go to the same places they go. And I can't just tell them, oh, by the way, I'm claiming bankruptcy. Good luck. Mm. So instead of the bankruptcy, we decided to just do exactly what our pastor told us to do and be able to talk to every single person that was willing to talk to us. And mm. a lot of them did. A lot of them appreciated that I'm taking responsibility for what happened. And they gave me breaks. Uh, I remember one lender, he said he just took a piece of paper and said, what about this loan? How much can you pay? And I told him, he said, okay, I'll do that. What about this loan? And we went down, you know, three to four loans and he cut most of them in half or even more and said, whenever you're ready, they just come back and we could work out the full payment agreement. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what happened. Um, and so the capstone uh, companies was birthed out of that flipping business. And I was, mm -hmm. you know, from that, um, um, investment venture that, okay, now I can't buy houses, I can't sell houses, but I could still fix houses. Because for the past nine years, I've been basically fixing all these properties for myself and for some of my friends. So I turned that knowledge into a construction business and hmm. took it a step further. And instead of just working for every single person that wanted to do a kitchen or a bath, because now I have eight to nine years worth of experience in the lending industry, I decided to open a, a, a restoration company that deals with insurance restoration and with banks, right? Mm. So mm. When, when God forbid somebody's house burned down or flooded with water, the bank has you know the interest in the property. So I started coordinating between the insurance companies and between the banks and the homeowners. And that's really where I found my ability to be able to be a, a, a wall builder uh, or mm. a bridge builder, like you say. Uh, and be able to, you know, negotiate and be able to do the best for my clients and to be able to do it ethically and lovingly and to do it with excellence. And mm -hmm. out of that company, um, the Cedarwood Family Foundation and the Cedarwood Companies was birthed out of that because now wow. the same people that are working with us and fixing homes uh, became uh, an essential part of us being able to work with homeowners that needed help uh, to be able to fix their homes, to sell it. And that was the, the collaboration between the development company and the real estate sales company um, mm -hmm. that also out of that is, is the community building that we, we do for people where we take uh, individuals that wants to start a business and don't know how to, um, do I put an LLC together? Do I put an mm -hmm. S corporation together? Do I do just a business, uh, a DBA together? Uh, because I've gone through all the steps and my wife have done the same exact thing, we're able now to uh, guide somebody in their early years and give them the best advice, give them the best link, help them fill out the applications for the wh what is the best way to incorporate a business, how to mm -hmm. set it up properly, what kind of certifications you need, what kind of licenses do you need, how can you make it you know work for best for you. Um, what are the best things to focus on as far as talents and abilities 
because when I was going through despair in 2008, I got lost for a little bit and I didn't realize what I'm good at because I was just focused on the problem. I wasn't mm -hmm. focused on the solution mm -hmm. and I wasn't focusing on my talents and gifting that God has given me. So I felt lost for a while and it took mm -hmm. a few people to just come in and knock, you know, some sense into me and say, what's the matter with you? You've always succeeded. You've always built, mm -hmm. you built it before you could build it again. Come on, get up on your feet and just go and do something. And that's where the company and the development company has came from to the point where we are today. Wow. That's so fascinating. Just, like those early phases of, you know, when you were put in a position to buying a house <laughs> and then seeing a solution about it and then doing something about it and then working through um, just your day job and then spending that time and yeah. And then building that up further and, um, and then seeing those further solutions um, be brought about in the company that you have now in your experience and building. It just sounds like you were building that experience further for, for what you're, yes. for what you're, yeah, for what you're doing now. I didn't yeah. realize it, honestly, Jonathan. Oh, really? I, no. Okay. <laughs> be, be, because you, you start looking at everything as an isolated incident and you don't look at yourself as, uh, as, Oh, this is going to train me to do this. It's going to train me to do that. And honestly, and maybe to somebody out there and that that conversation I had with one of my best friend um, now that is the gentleman that edited and, and produced in, um, uh, that video that you have, the short clip of that video that you have. Mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe this conversation for, is for somebody out there. Yeah. Uh, for the longest time, uh, the enemy has attacked me of being a jack of all trade and master of none. I mm. am sure a lot of people kind of subscribe to that premise and believe it. And I'm here to abolish it. And one day I had a dream. And in, that, in my dream, I was being tormented as a jack of all trade and master of none. And the enemy was just picking on me and, and reciting and, and reminding me of every single failure I've had. And it was a really like a, you know, bad nightmare for me. Hmm. And, and right before I woke up from that dream, I heard the other voice. And that voice said, you're not a jack of all trade and master of none. You're a jack of all trade and master of many. Hmm. And it blew my mind. And hmm. when I shared that with my friend, uh, that was the message that he wanted to hear. He wanted hmm. to hear from somebody like me that's gone through hell and back, hmm. that survived the war in Lebanon, that survived, you know, migrating to a new country without anybody around as, as a young man in my mid-20s, hmm. to surviving the, the first uh, 2008 pandemic and all the, these things that were happening you know, right now, and mm. to remember who we are and remember our training, remember the skills, <laughs> remember the yes. talents, remember the things that got us out of whatever issue that we're having, and remember how can we use all these things, not independently, but together. How can I, how can I come in and reach out to somebody like John and say, John, help me get the message out? Hmm. Oh, oh, I can't do that. Well, yeah, you, you can. You have a really nice podcast and you'll be able to <laughs> to put this together. And why can't we just encourage one person? Mm -hmm. And that's how it starts, because that one person you're going to encourage is going to go on to encourage at least 10 to 12 people in their life. Yes. And that's that's yes. that's the message that, that Jesus have given us. That's the message that he had put together so simply that he didn't go to a specific academia. 
he picked people from all walks of life and some of them were completely nobody would invite them to dinner they were considered (laughs) smelly they were considered nasty they were considered tax collector the lowest of the lowest Mm -hmm. and he brought them and he said i see something in you that nobody else see and i want to tell you about that something that i see in you and how you could put it to work and that's Mm -hmm. what he did I love that. We don't need to recreate that message. We just need to right. to be able to amplify it and repeat it once every single day, every single time that we're given the opportunity to be able to encourage somebody. So I'm here to encourage you that if you are one of those people that the enemy is picking on you and is telling you that you're a master of none, you, you're going to have to just bring the word of God and say, I am <laughs> I'm a master of many. I'm a master of money because of my experience, because of every single person around me's experience, and just mm-hmm. abolish those words that just work in your head and tell you you're less than somebody else. Mm-hmm. We can't do that. Amen. Thank you, Charbel, for blasting away that ill philosophy of thought and bringing people freedom in their mindset to be who God has called them to be. And with that set in motion, you know, how, you know, as a a multiple business owner, how do you integrate your faith into the businesses that you have? Yes, absolutely. This is, this is the main thing. Um, we become known, we became known now in the area of real estate. Uh, you, you guys are the Christian company and that's great. That, that's a badge of honor. And that has been uh, our, our mission and our vision. Mission over commission is our model through the mm. company. And this is how, we, we present ourselves. This is our hashtag on all of our posts. So when we are boasting about a single transaction, we also boasting about what God has done through our life. But being able to say that I am a Christian business owner and to be able to say it and proclaim it boldly mm-hmm. is one of the biggest challenges. Because in the beginning, a lot of people were saying, aren't you afraid that some other people that don't believe the same way that you believe it's going to boycott your business and they're not going to do business with you because they see it on your vehicles. They see it on your postings. And and that's a true, that's a legitimate thing. But it, it is our right to be able to wear our, our, our faith on our sleeve. It's our right. It's our constitutional right, number one. And it's our godly and duly. This is what God has told us to do, that in everything to do it, to do it to his name. And so if we are doing uh, real estate, if we are doing construction, if we are in the janitorial business or whatever business that we're in, and we treat Mm -hmm. every single person that this is the most amazing job that I've ever been given the opportunity to do, and I'm going to serve it as if I'm working for God. How can we glorify God through our business became um, a journey, a journey Mm -hmm. that became bolder and bolder every single day. And we started shoring and supporting ourselves with companies around us uh companies like uh, fellowship for christian athletes oh uh, yeah companies like uh, net of compassion a company mm-hmm. that basically started on the streets of worcester feeding a couple of homeless people a day uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that grown to become uh, an organization a nonprofit organization that feeds over 400 homeless people uh, mm-hmm. every single saturday in, in the, you know in the south area of worcester where you know not a lot of economic development there uh, companies uh, that are for-profit and for nonprofit churches come alongside of churches to support them and support their endeavor. So instead of putting our money in into marketing, we put it in causes that, that advance the kingdom. Hmm. 
those are kingdom builders in the marketplace that now our dollars, our marketing dollars, our uh, resources, and not just the marketing money, uh, but you're talking about resources. When you're a business mm -hmm. owner, you have different tactics of building your business. You could employ those same tactics to help these organizations be better because their heart is in mission, but they don't understand the business side of the world or the legal side. So you could come in and contrib contribute with your time. And these are the kind of things that we're able to realize our gifts and our talents and abilities. So if you put all of these things in and you sit back and say, as a godly owned business, we have the financial, the moral and the calling responsibility to be able to advance the kingdom and advance kingdom causes beyond making the profit before making the profit. Hmm. That this is our first mission and be able to boldly proclaim it. God will come alongside of you, become your partner in your business. Actually, he become the owner of your business. <laughs> and that's what we've done personally and physically. As a couple, we've deeded the business to God physically in a deed format, just like you buy a house. We put the owner of our business as God, and we are the managers. And when that perspective sets in, you start looking at your business and say, this is not my business. This is God's business. Hmm. What does he want me to do with his resources? And resources is not just about money. It's resources, all of these beautiful people that come alongside of us and work with us under our banner. And that kind of paved the way to the next wave of what we're hoping to be a national movement and a national flag for the Christian movement. Hmm. And that's where the Nisi project comes along. Hmm. That's where the banner, a God's banner, that just burn, you know, burn, burn a hole in my wife's heart and my heart is hmm. that every country have a flag. Every yeah. organization has a flag. Why can't we have a flag for God? And that's where yeah. the Nisi project came about. God gave that that burning desire to my wife's heart. And then he showed me in my dream the the, the symbol of the doorpost. The blood of Jesus mm -hmm. is, is on the doorpost. And that's where the Nisi project was born to be able to give every business owner the ability to display that proudly and to proclaim their business as a business for God that this business opened and this flag is flown to just show every single person that's walking the street or seeing our vehicles marked with that or seeing it on our doorposts in our homes to understand that this home is protected by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, that, thank you. That is, that is so good. <laughs> yeah, you, it's, 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 I mean, for, to me, it's not just an evangelism tool. It's more ambassadorial um, representation of, you know, what you represent, you know, and who you represent. Yes. Uh, and that representation is more than just, you know, evangelism, I believe. And I think you also agree the same. <laughs> I do. I do. 100%. I do. Good. Yeah. When I saw your website and everyone um, – Please check out mydoorpost.com, mydoorpost.com um, to learn more about the Nisi project. Uh, buy the flag, buy the shirt, <laughs> and repre re represent uh, the, the Nisi banner uh, symbol. And, you know, it's interesting and not to focus a whole lot on this subject particularly, but I just find it interesting. And I'm not sure when you, your wife and you had the vision of this project, but, you know, just we're coming out of this you know, pandemic, you know, just, you know, just now um, and just recently has happened as, as, as everyone knows, but um, just how I'm reminded, you know, with the children, 
of Israel, uh, when they came out of Egypt, they put the blood on the doorposts exactly. <laughs> so that the death angel would pass over them and they would not kill their firstborn. And I think if we translate that, you know, from that ancient story into modern day times, you know, um, not killing the firstborn, the first fruits, you know, of what we have labored, you know, in the land, what we have labored um you know, in, in this time. And that I, I believe that that, is, you know, that this DC project is not just a, a symbol of, you know, deliverance and freedom, but also a symbol of protection and of provision for his people to even continue to come forward and, and enter into the promise, the promise that God has for them, um, you know? And so, yeah, when I, when I saw all that, I'm like, wow, like this is, <laughs> this is amazing timing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it, that's his provision. Honestly, that's his provision. He's the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and that's what he did. He saved, he saved our our our, our fellow and our brothers and sisters back then mm-hmm. from Egypt, and he is able to save us today, and he will save us tomorrow. We just have Amen. to trust and believe and put our resources exactly where where it belongs, and that's where the Nisi project. It just it was timely. If you see everything that happened through um, that video. That video was recorded before the pandemic, before all the rioting. And if you see mm. some of the rioting that's in that video, you, you will see it's almost like uh, it's almost like a prophetic video. Yeah, it is. All of those things were filmed before all of these things that are happening to us. And wow. but it was launched. It was launched right in the middle of all of this that's happening to us today. To be able to, um, um, you know, love and and, and encourage. And, and bring together, not not the fear, but to bring together the hope that God has saved them back then and he will save us today. Amen. Yes, yes. Yeah, God doesn't change in, nope. in, nope. in how he leads his people uh, and how he leads um, us in what he has for us in his provision. And yeah, and I'm also just so encouraged that, you know, you guys want to empower other you know, business owners and not being afraid of their, you know, uh, kingdom beliefs and yeah. how that's being integrated into the marketplace. That's it. That's yeah. it. It has to, it ha- we have to encourage one another and be able to build each other up mm-hmm. and be able to, to come alongside because every single person is different and we all have gifts and talents that the other person doesn't possess, but combining mm-hmm. it together, it's combining like fuel to a rocket. And that's what we want to do. Yeah. We want to be able to empower every single person that's thinking about this, but have some uh, um, uh, issues about it and not understanding exactly what it is. They're more than welcome to reach out to myself or my wife. We would love to talk to them and be able to encourage them. And hopefully in the coming days, we'll be able to put a curriculum together mm-hmm. for small businesses that are uh, uh, kingdom uh, minded individuals that they, they are putting the kingdom building alongside of building their business and using that platform to be able to graduate men and women for God through the marketplace and not just treat it as two separate things. I'm a Christian person on Sunday morning and I check that box and I don't see it till the next Sunday. It doesn't work that way. It's great that we do it on Sunday, but Monday through Friday, we also are ambassadors for Jesus. And yes. we need to be able to bring it into the marketplace where we are. So when I shake hands with you and I look you in the eye and tell you to trust me, I'm hoping that you will, that I'm not going to stab you in the back with the other hand and be able to have your best interests in mind. And, and mm-hmm. day over day and a year over year, you will see, you will look back and say, I remember when I worked with so-and-so. 
And mm. because they are kingdom-minded individuals, I will come back to them. And not only that, but I'll refer all my clients to them and my family and my friends. Yeah, so just in how you're conducting your business sets that kingdom standard, yes. not just for others to follow, but just to be that exemplary um, of who you represent to people that may not even maybe experienced, you know, what it's like to work with someone who is uh, kingdom minded and operates on that uh, wavelength and that standard um, in their business. So that's so inspiring. <laughs> well, thank you, John. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to share before we close here today? Um, I just want to encourage every single one of your listeners, and especially if they are uh, entrepreneurs, to just understand that they have 8,000% more chance than their pastor to reach people that are not mm. church people. And just understand every <laughs> single person that you encounter is a person that is not going to church. And you're meeting them in the marketplace. You're not meeting them in the cafe in your church. So just be mindful that your business is an extension of your ministry. And if you use your business as an extension of your ministry, you'll be able to gain a lot more souls for God and you'll be able to help a lot of people that desperately need it, that don't even know that they need it. They're just waiting for you to share your testimony and say, how can you stay calm in the middle of all this stuff? How can mm. you stay hopeful? And that's your opportunity. That's your cue to jump into action and tell them the real reason why you feel peace in your heart. And it's Jesus Christ. And you'll be able to bring that message to them. Maybe they won't take it the first time. Maybe they won't take it the second time. But they will look back and they will see you tried and true in every single one of those opportunities. And they could see that you're still calm and your business is prospering and you're growing. And they are forced to listen to you. <laughs> they are forced to listen to you. Listen to this. Not by force, but by love. Mm. you're loving them no matter what whether they come to your church or not you still love them the same way and you still talk and you still, you still invite them you still service them and they're going to be attracted to that instead of recruiting them to it you're just going to attract them to the love of jesus that's it well said and you said eight thousand percent i i really believe it wow I really eight, believe it. <laughs> that's that's significant. That's really significant. So, so wow. listen to this. Your pastor can't go and invite somebody in the marketplace or you see him on Main Street. But if you're servicing them and you invite them, now your pastor have the opportunity to, to disciple them. They're, he's mm -hmm. not going to be able to. And that's mm -hmm. why when we mm -hmm. invite people and we bring them in, that's where the greater good will be happening. Amen. We'll just end it right there. That's where the greater good will be happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, business owners maybe sometimes don't always realize how much influence they have um, out in their sphere of influence, out, you know, in culture and society, you know, um, especially Christian, um, you know, people, uh, you know, sometimes think, okay, business, 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 and not necessarily always realizing the, a component of you know what they are representing and 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 who they are um of what god has called them to that place so thank you thank you for encouraging <laughs> you know believers in the marketplace to not be afraid to not be timid in their uh you know faith in god and and how they uh, conduct their business you know um in a practical level in a in a wise uh way um in their uh, time in, in their sphere of business, whatever that is. And yeah, thank you, Charbel, for joining us today. It was a real honor thank um, you, to have you. And yes, uh, man, 
this was so good today. And uh, yeah, so thank you everyone for watching today's yes. uh, broadcast. And I look forward to seeing everyone next week. Thank you so Stay much. Stay tuned. God bless you. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. God You're bless. welcome.